This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Hey everyone, this hump day, the 6th of June, brings you a fresh scoop podcast. It is episode... 151. It's another busy stretch for the Wolves, one of the few organizations that does not disclose their draft workouts. Personally, it's idiotic. It makes no sense. Why pass up free publicity? But anyway, then it's on guys like me to dig to find out who the Wolves are bringing into town for workouts, where they might be traveling to for workouts. So we certainly have an update on that front. Otherwise, we'll go pretty heavy on interviews. I sat down with Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins earlier this week, so I will replay that conversation. I had a chance to catch up with Vikings cornerback Terrence Newman, and we will catch up with Bloomington native, Friday starter for the University of Oklahoma. He was drafted in the fourth round by Washington, the Nationals. He is Jake Irvin. So conversation, conversation, conversation. Then we will get to some Wolves notes and whatever other notes I have written down. I may follow up the two Vikings interviews with some Vikings notes. I was at their OTA practice on Wednesday. Otherwise, we'll go interview, interview, interview into other notes, and we'll call it a podcast. So let me begin with Kirk Cousins. But first, love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Skull Marketing, online skullmarketing.com, their phone number. 651-787-SKULL. They are here to help you, you being a business owner, a small business owner in particular. Skull Marketing was started by two former Google employees. They want to make Google work for you. They want your business to pop up in a Google search before other comparable businesses. They can help you with social media management and so many other areas. They're offering a free 30-minute consultation. They are located in St. Louis Park, so centrally located. So think about it. You have nothing to lose. If you're a business owner, medium-sized, large, small, think about utilizing Skull Marketing. See if they can help you. Take advantage of the free 30-minute consultation. 651-787-SKULL. For more information, online again, it is skullmarketing.com. I am forever indebted to Skull Marketing. They keep the podcast going. Thank you, Skull Marketing. All right, here's my conversation with Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. I was given 10 to 15 minutes with him on Tuesday afternoon. We'll go some football, some non-football. We'll start football. Yeah. I mean, you've been here now 10 weeks, give or take, two and a half months. I mean, everything you've experienced working with the guys on the field, getting to know the guys off the field, even acclimating here to the Twin Cities, just you and your family, just reaffirm your decision to choose here over myriad other options? The short answer is yes, but the long answer is that I can't emphasize enough um, how impressed I am with the organization, my teammates, um, there's just not a lot of big egos. There's guys who want to come in and work. They want to win. They'll do what it takes. Um, it's not about them. The coaching is solid. Uh, the facility, as you've seen, is world class. Um, love the fan base, the city, all that that has to offer. It's just a great fit for us, and now we've got to win football games. But we're really pleased with uh, what we've seen thus far. Not much as an X and O's guy, but, but I was looking at your play action numbers. I mean, over the course of your career, you are brilliant in play action. What makes you so good in play action? Well, we have had success uh, in the play action game, and I think that a lot of it does go back to the scheme. I do think that the coaches I've worked with have done a very good job 
formationally, um, getting concepts and routes that just work well week to week. And um, certainly you try to work on your mesh with the running back where it looks like the run game and um, your linemen have to sell run. And uh, there's a lot of moving parts. But, um, you know, I think it's a combination of good solid protection, calling those plays in advantageous situations where the defense is expecting run and being able to get big chunk plays because of good play design. But um, it's something that I have enjoyed doing, have had success doing, and um, you know, I'm certainly looking to continue that here in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, safe to presume that in Coach DeFilippo's offense, playing to your strengths, that there will be a, a good amount of play action? Well, I just think that between his background in the West Coast offense, which I certainly have some level of background in, now the West Coast has uh, uh, you know, evolved so much that it's hard to really know what's West Coast and what's not. But he has a background in that, I have a background in that, so there's some carryover from that standpoint. And then Yes, there's some carryover in the play-action game. Uh, he's been around some of the same people I have. So I do think there's a, a molding of influences and backgrounds and that will turn into the 2018 Vikings offense. And a lot of it will be carryover from what the Vikings did so well last year when Coach Flip and myself weren't even here. So we're blending all of that into uh, what hopes to be an explosive offense. Part of the so well part from last year was was the brilliance of the top two wide receivers to find right. things out with you. And what was... What was your opinion, Kirk, of those guys when you signed here? And do you maybe even have a greater appreciation for how good those guys are now that you're working with them on the field? Yeah, I, I have a greater appreciation of them now. Um, I think both of them being that they weren't first-round picks, they weren't tabbed as the guys for forever. Um, you know, I certainly have a kindred spirit with that, but I also think that maybe nationally they're a little underrated. So when you actually get with them, work with them on the field, see their ability and can compare it to other players you've worked with, um, you see how good they tr- truly are. And uh, you know, they both have strong hands, natural hands. They both have a good football IQ. They run routes well. They're quick twitch. Um, they have great straight line speed so they can run by people. They create separation, and um, most importantly, they come out to work every day. They're not looking for days off. They're not looking to take reps off. Uh, they don't shrug their shoulders on whether or not they have a good practice. Uh, both of them come out every day, and it, it matters to them, and it's it's not a hobby. It's a job, and they treat it as such. And as a leader, as a quarterback, that's really fun to work with. It makes my job easier. I suppose you'll embrace that straight line speed. I mean, I'm assuming you'll embrace, hey, Let's hit some of those 40, 50-yard throws right. down the field. Well, so many – we're going to ask so much of our receivers. We're going to ask them to do bubble screens. We're going to ask them to block. We're going to ask them to run choice routes, slants, go balls, you know, double moves. And so you're asking them to have a lot of different movement skills and be a lot of different things. And the fact that Steph and Adam can wear all those hats and do it at a high level, it gives you a lot of versatility and flexibility knowing that we don't have to – you know, have different roles for different players. We can just keep asking Steph and Adam to do each task because they step up and get the job done no matter what it is. Just today at practice, Steph had a block on a safety in between the tackles that was a tough block. And he did the block and looked back at the camera and flexed his muscles like, I can do that too. And so to get a receiver who's, who's excited about and wants to be the best at blocking just gives you an idea of the way he approaches the game in general. Talked about your kindred spirit, the, the underdog mentality maybe. I mean, do you still play with a chip on your shoulder? I mean, was Michigan State the only Power 5 offer you had out of high school? Yeah, that was my only Power 5 offer. I mean, offer so does it even start there? Offer. And then going middle round, you weren't sure. a first-round pick. Sure. But then I'm guessing, how do you balance having that kindred spirit, that underdog mentality, that chip on the shoulder versus, in many ways, you've now made it. You know that. With the contract <laughs> you signed, Yeah. 
you know, a lot of people say you're a top 10 quarterback. In many ways, you've made it. So how do you balance playing with that chip versus knowing that in many ways you have made it? Well, I do have the chip on my shoulder. I just think, if nothing else, it's always helped me play well to have that desire to prove, prove yourself. On my free agent visit, Coach Zimmer did say that, you know, as much as you may have been a little uh, overlooked, you know, through the years, you aren't anymore. Like, that's changing now, and we kind of chuckled about that. But at the same time, I'll never lose that perspective because even now I, I want to prove myself. I want to prove that I was worth it, that I, I was, it was a good decision to bring me here. The last thing I want to do is cause the organization or the fan base to feel like, man, that was a poor investment. So I'm still in a prove-it mode and probably always will be. I know no other way. Two Sundays from now, Father's Day. Yeah. It'll be your first Father's Day, right? Yes. How has being a dad changed you? Well, it's certainly, you know, your perspective on life uh, is a little different. And, you know, I'm always looking at the clock, making sure I can get home from work before he goes to bed. Those kinds of things have to be a little more efficient with my time when I'm here in the building. Um, you know, still, I'm still learning what it looks like to be a great dad. And, and as your son grows so fast, he keeps changing. You have to keep up with it. But helps that my wife is doing a really good job and she knows what she's doing and mm-hmm. I definitely play off of her. I'm definitely the the uh, second in command when I go home and, and learn you know the best way to do things from her but um, Father's Day will be a fun fun day first one for me and hopefully many more up ahead. See what nine months ten months? He's, he's eight months he'll be nine months uh, so it's a fun at the age, end of I mean, June. Getting closer right. to walking, crawling, yes. I mean a lot of, a lot of milestones know- coming up here. We noticed that the six month mark was when he kind of went from just being a little infant to being more like a person yeah. and so now eight months in you really see his his you know facial features start to look like the two of us and he has a little more personality so I, and every month I'm sure it just evolves. How about what your dad means to you? I mean I had a chance to talk to him at your yeah. at your introductory press conference. I mean he came across yeah. as so humble, so genuine. Yeah. What what does your dad mean to you? Well my dad and, and my mom have, have had a enormous impact on my life and I'm sure that's the case for everyone talking about their parents but uh I am where I am because of them. Uh, you know, up until meeting my wife, they've by far had the single greatest impact on my life. And uh, um, it's great to have that example to follow now as I raise Cooper. Um, it's convenient to have had a dad who modeled what it should look like for you each and every day. And now I don't necessarily have to read all the parenting books out there. I can just say, what did my dad do? And let's follow in his footsteps because he did it so well. So. Um, fortunate from that regard. Did your relationship with your dad even grow more so over the last handful of years after after he survived cancer? Yeah, you know, every year um, you just appreciate your parents more and more as you grow into adulthood and you see the lessons they taught you and the way they raised you start to play itself out and benefit you, if you will, and um, get married and, and then you have a son and you see what that dynamic is like and then watch them be grandparents and you know, my parents aren't getting any younger. My dad was diagnosed with cancer. Fortunately, he's in remission, but we know at any time it could come back. And whether it comes back soon or not, um, he's not getting any younger. And so we do try to appreciate the time we have with them. And, and every game they come to is a special game, a special moment. And uh, we don't take those memories lightly. And so uh, I would say that, you know, the highlights for me around the year when the whole family's together and we're able to spend that time, whether it be here in, in football or, or on vacation charity near and dear to your heart international justice mission yeah correct me if i'm wrong i mean they have a big time presence here in the twin cities i'm yes. curious if, if you've connected with them yet and, yeah. and why that charity is so near and dear to your heart yeah ijm uh, uh is doing a phenomenal job when we were in dc for six years their worldwide headquarters are based there in the dc area so it was a natural fit for us and 
um, the work they're doing worldwide is needed and it is making a difference and uh, um, you know, we'll continue to support them and, and give to make sure that they have the resources they need to get their work done. But um, we're currently kind of in a searching role right now trying to find organizations around the Twin Cities that could serve a similar role to IJM for us that are making a real difference and need the funding and, and could use the marketing and the platform. You know, we want to provide that. So we're kind of in that mode right now of gathering information and finding maybe one or two places that could be great partners for us. When you say we, is that, is that a partnership with your wife? Yeah. When I say we, I really mean my wife and, and our family at large. And, uh, um, you know, as I said, she's really first in command at home. So she's got to sign off on things. And, um, you know, when it comes to where we give and, and where we, um, you know, try to serve, she's going to have a large say in that. Maybe after this, P.J. Fleck was here today. Yeah. And you were over on campus a handful yeah. of months ago. Yeah. Where did that relationship start? And, you know, yeah. presumably you're going to try to get over there and, right. and help him any right. way you can. So I, I do want to continue to connect with Coach because uh, I just have a great deal of respect for the way he leads, um, his approach to culture building and team building. He was at Western Michigan and had a lot of success before coming to the U of M. And I'm from Western Michigan. That's where I grew up. So there was a little bit of a connection there. I was at a speaking event where he also was was attending. And then um, having been in the NFL, Coach Fleck really knows this game as well and and, uh, was coaching for the Buccaneers my rookie year when we played them. So um, we've crossed paths in some different ways. And Sean McVay, a coach that I played for in Washington, has a lot of similarities to Coach Fleck as far as personality and passion and things like that. And so I just I think he's a guy who's going to have success, knows what he's doing, um, is innovative, and to have him right here in, in my backyard in Minneapolis, I think I'd be foolish not to connect with him. So I look forward to getting out there more in the future and just trying to glean stuff from him, pick his brain, and, and uh, learn all that he's teaching those guys at the U of M. Any Spartans friends give you grief for, for bonding with the competition? You know, I think at the end of the day, we all know that I'm a Spartan at heart, and, uh, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, I'm going to respect someone when I see it, and, uh, you know, Coach Fleck, I think, has it, and, uh, um, you know, there are guys like that all over that I want to connect with and get behind and and, um, cheer on. Fun times right now, fun times, I suppose, until they play a game. I think it's unavoidable when you are the quarterback of the Vikings to avoid being scrutinized, so that will come. But, I mean, there's nothing that I need to dig in on Cousins right now, so I figured I'd hit him with some non-football as well. We transition from Cousins to the senior member in terms of age on the Vikings. It is cornerback Terrence Newman. What's it like being back? I mean, obviously there was, I mean, you always said you wanted to be back, but there was some question marks about whether you guys could come to an agreement. What's it like being back? Yeah, it's, been, it's been good, man. Just been able to come out and get back with my brothers and, and you know, put this foundation together to, you know, have a successful season. Um, there were a couple of things that I had to get done, so uh, delayed it, but uh, great to be back, man, and, and looking forward to, to great things to come. You say put the foundation together, but in many ways the foundation's already in place, right? It isn't. I mean, uh, every year you have to put the foundation down. Uh, what happened last year, is that's completely different. I mean, if you look at uh, seasons throughout the NFL, guys that you know make it to the playoffs one year might not make it the next year. So um, that, that would be a disservice if I said that we had foundation already laid because we have a long ways to go to get even anywhere close to what we did last year, and that's being honest. So... Uh, we have to just kind of, you know, put the pieces together here, you know, build camaraderie, um, you know, and just, you know, understand the defense and just get better day to day. 
Is there a sense that the foundation, I mean, being around these guys the last handful of weeks, that the foundation can be put together, that you guys can have another great season? Yeah, I mean, I, every team, you know, you, at this point in time, that's what you're trying to do is build foundation. So we're no different than any other team in this league, you know, right now at this point. it's You're out here in shorts and, and helmets and, you know, you're trying to, you know, get timing and, and, you know, understand where spacing is and where people are supposed to be in defense and offense and um, that's how you get better, and then you get to the, the training camp, and then you still build on that, and then you get to the games and you know have different competition and see exactly where you are. So uh, it's a process, man, and, and you know we're not we're not anywhere close to where we need to be right now, and that's that's the truth. So you know we got to go out and just work hard every day and, and get better. Here, do you have a sense of what your role will be this year? I don't. I mean, it being uh, June, I mean, there's a long time before anything happens, and. You know, like I do, I mean, we had quarterbacks go down last year. You had running backs. I mean, uh, different things happen throughout the season. So uh, I think once training camp get, gets here and, you know, we get into a couple of the preseason games, I think it's more uh, determined what goes on. And, you know, that's not my focus at this point. My focus right now is to come out and compete, um, you know, give my knowledge where I can and, and just make sure we're getting better every day. You feel like you're getting better every day? Do you enjoy the competition? I mean, now that Mike Hughes is in here, and I mean, there's a healthy competition there at the cornerback position. Oh, yeah. Um, I think uh, when you're on one side of the ball or the other, um, you're competing in that aspect. But the competition I'm talking about is against the offense, you know, because you know, that's uh, you, have a, you have a sense in what you do as a player. Um, you know, you, you work hard, and then you, you hope it transitions onto to the field. So, um, you know, I'm just you know, talking about, you know, us going against our receivers because we have a great group of receivers. So the competition there. But in our room, it's, it's, it's always competition, no matter who it is. I mean, we're going to compete, and we're going to make each other better. Um, and, and that's always fun. You know, guys understand, hey, everybody's trying to win a job here, you know. So you have to compete, and you have to, you have to produce. So um, that's when you get way down the road and you see what you do in a game against guys you don't know because we, we've been here with these guys for a while. So... I think once that gets here, you know, competition for our receivers going against us and vice versa, uh, it's going to be impressive. Maybe after this, just how about impressions of Hughes so far? He's good. I mean, he's uh, he's got everything. I mean, he's got size. He's he's smart. Um, he works hard. He's got good technique. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him in, in some game situations for sure. Vikings cornerback Terrence Newman. I can echo the things he talked about, about Mike Hughes talking to some Vikings officials on background. So far, so good on Hughes and a lot of positive words. I continue to hear a lot of positive words. I mentioned him last week about undrafted free agent cornerback from Texas, Holton Hill. As far as Wednesday on the field went, I can tell you, actually it was Tuesday, Tuesday on the field. We did not have access on Wednesday. Well, we did at a charity golf event with the Vikings, but we did not have practice access. So the access we had on Tuesday, kicker, rookie kicker, Daniel Carlson, had another marvelous day. I'll continue to say that Carlson will be the Vikings kicker this year. So Kai Forbath can compete all he wants, but when you use a fifth-round pick on a kicker, that guy is going to win the job. Mike Remmers was working again at right guard. I do know the Vikings, and I mentioned this last year on the podcast, that the Vikings have a healthy opinion of tackle Rashad Hill. So it would not be surprising at all if Rashad Hill opens the year, September 9th against the Niners, as the starting right tackle with Remmers playing inside. But that will still play itself out. Rookie second-round pick Brian O'Neill is more a project. I mean, he'll make the team. We know that is a second-round pick. But it would be surprising if he is in the mix to play 
right away. He is somebody to keep an eye on as we move into 2019 and beyond. Continue to hear that the Vikings are not close on an extension for Anthony Barr, but they continue dialogue not only on a Barr extension, but on an extension for Daniil Hunter and Stefan Diggs. I'm Michael Kendricks. We know he signed with the Browns. I said all along, the one thing I could not quantify was how his visits with the Raiders and Browns went. Clearly the one to Cleveland went very well. I just know that his visit here went very well. The Vikings were encouraged by their pitch. They liked their chances when he left the building. But again, Cleveland must have sold him on something, and he signed with the Browns. One year, $3.5 million. I don't believe the Vikings were willing to pay him that much. I think the Vikings were willing to pay him beyond the minimum, but I haven't been able to verify that. But if he was looking for a little bit more money, yeah, he went to the right place. He went to the Browns, and according to Yahoo Sports, Michael Kendricks will be a starter for the Browns. So even though they are loaded at the linebacker position, apparently he will start for them. And I'll continue to say that the Vikings were willing to use Michael, from what I was told, in more than the base defense. So he wasn't just going to be the replacement for Ben Gideon on the field every first down, some second downs always off the field on third downs. They were going to have him on the field in different situations. I don't have all the specifics, but that was part of their pitch. And again, I heard his visit went well, but unfortunately, the Vikings lost out on Michael Kendricks. All right, let's transition to Jake Irvin, Bloomington Jefferson High School alum, Friday starter for the University of Oklahoma. Earlier in the week, he was a fourth-round pick of the Washington Nationals. Jake, congratulations. I mean, what's the last 48 to 72 to 96 hours been like for you? I mean, you guys are competing for for a spot in the Super Regional. Unfortunately, you guys came just a bit short, but you were right there until the end in that Regional. The next thing you know, I mean, you are a fourth-round pick of the Washington Nationals. I mean, I'm guessing it's just been been a crazy, crazy 72 hours. Yeah, I don't don't even know if crazy, uh, you know, begins to define it. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's been been nuts, and I think that uh, my time spent at Oklahoma has been nothing short of amazing, and uh, even though we didn't end on the way we wanted to at the end of the season there in the regional, um, it was a special year, a big step forward for our program, and I think a lot of the young guys are going to step up and take us to the next level. Um, but, yeah, and then getting drafted, I mean, it's it's fun to obviously hear my name called, but, you know, even some of my teammates, Kyler Murray going ninth overall, yeah, uh, kind of shocking the nation with that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an, another uh, another really special guy, so – I think that all that sort of stuff, getting to see my teammates go as well, it's been it's been pretty emotional. Take us back to when your name was called. I mean, were you following online? I mean, did you find out when your phone rang and it was the Nationals calling you? I mean, take us through that moment. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been on the phone with a bunch of different teams all day, and um, I, I honestly, Washington wasn't one of the teams that I had really expected to pick me, especially going into the day. Mm. I haven't been in contact with them a whole lot, and uh, when – Things kind of got going. I got a call from him later. Uh, told him that, um, you know, money was going to be kind of the biggest issue going into their pick, and um, they got the job done. And, well, you know, I mean, we haven't ironed out the contract or anything, but we'll kind of see what happens there uh, when we go into that negotiation here in a couple of days. But, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I was sitting there with my family kind of just getting calls. Uh, from a bunch of different guys, and you know, hearing my name called, it was it was really special for sure. I mean, that just has to be a reminder, Jake, that 
that, you know, I mean, we see this all the time. I mean, you name the sport when it comes to a draft where a team may really, really like you and they purposely hide interest. So that must have been the situation, right, that Washington really liked you, but they didn't want their name out there attached to you. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I think that's really what it did boil down to. And, you know, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. Obviously, it's a good organization, especially with the arms that they have and have been able to develop. So, clearly doing something right in Washington and you know I'm excited to get out there and uh, start learning from the best yeah I mean expound on that I mean how much have you learned about the Nationals organization and how they develop pitchers the last you know day or so yeah honestly as of right now I I really haven't learned a whole lot just kind of talking with uh, my coach Skip Johnson and uh, my advisors you know we haven't really been able to go over a whole lot of it but I do know that they obviously treat their guys the right way and I mean um, you can see that at the next level I mean, their rotation's probably one of the best in baseball, if not the best. So uh, those guys do a really good job bringing guys up, developing people, you know, like Steven Strasburg, or just making moves to get guys guys like Max Scherzer and um, being able to develop them once they, you know, get them in their hands. So I think that I'm in, I'm in a good set of hands, and, you know, I'm really, like I said, really excited. Is this about how you saw things playing out? I mean, let's go back three years. I mean, you're drafted, I mean, way late. You know, so you mm-hmm. knew you out of Bloomington Jefferson High School, you would go to Oklahoma. But is this about how you saw things going? That hey, you would turn into a Friday starter and be a, a top four round pick three years later. Yeah, I mean, I definitely chose to go to Oklahoma with the intention to, you know, pitch on the weekends, and uh, I was lucky enough to do that a little bit my freshman year, and then uh, never looked back sophomore and junior year. And um, I mean, in a Big Twelve conference, and you know, uh, on a competitive team like Oklahoma, it was one of the steps that I thought I needed to take to kind of get to that next level. And uh, the stuff I've learned here, you know, from coach Hughes, when he was here, uh, coach skip right now, he's here now. And um, the stuff that I've learned from them has been top notch and uh, clearly been able to, you know, develop as a baseball player and, and a person as well. So I'm forever grateful for those guys. Specifically developing on the diamond. I mean, where have you gotten better as a pitcher the last couple of years? I think it's more uh, the mental side than it is the physical side. Uh, my tools have, you know, kind of always been there, but I think mentally you learn so much once you get to the next level and uh, playing in college is a lot different than playing in Minnesota high school baseball. And, um, you know, it was a wake up call really quick. So, uh, just being able to handle stuff that, you know, I might not have faced while I was in high school and dealing with certain adversities and just, uh, you know, playing the game that I grew up loving. And I think the mental side of that, uh, side of the game has gotten a lot easier. I know you'll you'll talk with your advisors here in the next you know twenty four hours or so, but is mm-hmm. is the general idea that that you'll forego your senior season that you will begin your your pro career here in the next handful of weeks? Yeah, that's I mean that's the thought right now. Obviously, like I said, um, going to have to do that negotiation here in a couple of days. You know, kind of see what they have in terms of money. I know it's uh, the slot values now in the draft things can get a little hairy, but. Uh, shouldn't be a problem and you know I'm really like I said earlier I'm really excited and I think that'll be a fun process too. What stood out from from the weekend? I mean you guys came oh so close to to playing in a Super Regional and heck you playing a Super Regional as you well know you're one step away from playing in the College World Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah I mean this weekend I, I, I think I learned a lot about you know just the character of the people that I was around and obviously I love all my teammates I, I knew like no they're great guys but this weekend was just so special. We were without Kyler and Steele, you know, our guys that were picked in the first two rounds. And 
uh, didn't have them all weekend. And other guys stepped up, guys that maybe had 25 to 30 at-bats all year. And um, one of the guys, Thomas Hughes, actually, uh, great story there. He's a uh, son of the former coach here, Pete Hughes, and he decided to stay, um, you know, class act. Just one of the best people and hadn't really played much all year and ended up getting uh, all regional team. And, nice. you know, it was just, it was just something like that. Uh, being able to see him succeed and uh, watching him do what he did, it was it was really special. Taught me a lot about you know just hard work, persistence, and uh, next man up mentality. Jake, when did when did being a pro first pop on your radar? I mean, are we going back to when you had success, like at you know the age thirteen level, the age fourteen level? You know, was it Jefferson High School? I mean, when did when did signing a pro contract? When did being a, a high draft pick, you know, in your mind, become a reality? Yeah, I mean, I was a late bloomer. Uh, I committed to OU going into my senior year, actually, that summer, which, I mean, for baseball is pretty late, and uh, I didn't really think I would play pro ball, and, you know, the draft was never really on my radar until uh, late that winter. Started getting, you know, a few questionnaires here and there, and then scouts would come up to or come out to the games my senior season, and, you know, that's kind of when I when I knew that, that was going to be the direction I'd be headed. And um, like I said, it was pretty late, but uh, glad it happened for sure. You speak of, of the scouts coming out. I mean, whether back at Bloomington or in Norman, I mean, if you had to write a scouting report on yourself, so put yourself in the, in the shoes of, of a scout, what would the scouting mm-hmm. report on Jake Irvin say? You know, I think uh, the biggest thing is that I'm going to outthink hitters. Uh, I take pride in, you know, being smart on the mound and, uh, kind of being savvy with the way that I pitch and uh, very repeatable delivery, not max effort, pretty low effort. Uh, and, you know, it's it's pretty fluid mechanics too. So I think that the biggest thing is just being able to repeat my delivery, repeat pitches in the zone and uh, being consistent all the time. Did you take notice of, you know, whether it was Sean Jelly going in the second round to the Giants, a local guy, or, you know, even even a Terran Vaver from Minnesota, Menominee, Wisconsin's really not that far. You know, him being mm-hmm. a top 100 pick. I mean, you going among the top 200 picks. You know, even a Gus Varland went here on. We're taping this on Wednesday. He went in the 14th round to the uh, to the Oakland A's. He's a North St. Paul High School product. I mean, do you take pride in in all you Minnesota high school guys getting drafted? Absolutely, and you know, watching the draft, uh, you know, warms my heart seeing those guys get picked, and definitely let out a little cheer when you see something like that happen. I'm lucky enough to know Sean and Taryn and those guys are complete class acts, great dudes. And um, it was a lot of fun to see their names, uh, names pop up on draft day. But yeah, with a guy like uh, Varland here at uh, Concordia, I don't know him, but I mean, that's, that's a great story uh, coming out of a D2. And I mean, he had a spectacular, spectacular year. The numbers speak for themselves and uh, hats off to him. That's awesome. Jake, how close are you to getting your degree? I'm two semesters away. Okay, so, I mean, that's something that even if you sign a pro contract here in in the coming weeks, that that you can go back and finish relatively easily. Yep, that shouldn't be a problem. And I presume that that your parents, the family, have said, hey, we'd like for you to finish your degree? (laughs) Yep, yep. I'm already uh, enrolled in my classes for the fall. Kind of got to work that out with the Nationals, see what, uh, they're thinking in terms of what I'll be doing here in the fall, whether that's going to instructs or whatnot, and uh, kind of work around that. But uh, graduating here in the next couple of years shouldn't be a problem. Who were some of the teams that were calling you? I mean, you said the Nationals didn't call you. Who were some of the teams calling mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, the biggest interest probably came from the White Sox. Uh, honestly, all day, that's who I figured I'd be picked by. That's, I mean, the draft is so confusing. You don't really mm-hmm. <laughs> know it. And you don't know it until you're in it. I mean, once one guy goes, the team could tell you they're going to take you, and then next thing you know, they have another guy they thought would be picked before, and they end up taking that guy. So you can't really be shocked by anything, but I, I think the White Sox probably showed the most interest. Teams like Baltimore, too, uh, Colorado, really thought uh i might end up there but um yeah it was it was just kind of a bunch of different teams calling you know that first night uh early second morning and um like i said it's uh one of those things where you don't really know what's going to happen until you actually see your name pop up you know speaking of all the teams calling you i mean do you like how how the draft is set up like to me i don't know if i like it on on you know the monday of when games are still being played like if i'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken there were there were at least a couple Florida players that were like literally on the diamond, right? That that ended yeah. up getting drafted. Like I'm yeah, wondering so if if there's a way for Major League Baseball. I don't have I don't have the grand answer. Maybe it's it's part of of the College World Series in Omaha. You know, later in mm-hmm. June. I, I don't know. I, I don't have the right answer. But but I'm just curious if you have an opinion on on how the draft process works. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm it's kind of tough. I mean, especially with 40 rounds, it's it's kind of a drag there. And you, I mean. I don't really know what to say too much about it. I just know that we were on the plane when Kyler got picked, so he yeah, actually I found mean... out as we were <laughs> as we were about to land. Uh, one of our buddies got a text, and it was from his dad saying Kyler went ninth overall. So, uh, I mean, that's how he found out. I mean, still pretty cool, but obviously yeah. it would have been nice to have been watching the draft mm-hmm. and obviously seen his name and, uh, you know, got to see those guys talk about him on MLB Network, but... I mean, there's there's no true answer. It's really tough with how long the baseball season is. Um, the only thing I can really think of is maybe starting it on a Tuesday. That way guys aren't still in regional play, and coaches can kind of alter their practices towards that draft. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is the answer. I mean, instead of going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so you know that, yep. that there are no games. Jake, thank you so much. I know that I speak for... For many here in the Minnesota baseball community that, that wish you nothing but the best as, as hopefully you start your pro career here in the coming weeks. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It means the world. Bloomington Jefferson High School alum from the University of Oklahoma, a fourth-round pick of the Washington Nationals, that was Jake Irvin. Sean Jelly, Matamidi High School, University of Kentucky, the SEC Pitcher of the Year. A year ago, he was a second-round pick of the Giants, but I know that the Yankees had interest, the Cubs had interest. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, these teams are calling these guys or and or their advisors pretty regularly, especially the last 48 hours leading into the draft, then the day of the draft or days of the draft. And so you heard it from Jake where the Nationals actually didn't really have contact with them. All these other teams did, the White Sox, the Orioles. But he didn't really have a sense that the Nationals would pick him. I actually also know that the Yankees had interest in Jake. So all these teams were showing interest. The Nationals hid their interest. It reminds me of Frank Ragnow. I mean, Frank Ragnow was on this podcast going back to, what, early May when the Chanhassen High School alum, Victoria, Minnesota native, went to the Detroit Lions. He had no sense whatsoever that the Lions had interest in him. I mean, he heard all these teams, including the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings wanted Ragnow so badly. He had no sense, though, that the Lions wanted him. You know, they just they hid their interest. So along those lines, I know that on Terran Vavra, the Rockies were actually one of the teams 
that showed a good amount of interest. So that was not necessarily a surprise. Here are the other teams that showed interest in the Gophers shortstop. He went, what, 96th overall to the Rockies. By the way, the Twins actually had a third-day grade on Terran. So they were not going to take him in the top 10 rounds. But teams have draft boards that are all over the place because a lot of teams, including the Rockies, had like a top 100 to 150 grade on Terran. Here were the other teams that had an interest in Terran. The Marlins, the Padres, the Braves, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Pirates, the Dodgers, the Rangers, and the Blue Jays. On Gus Varland of Concordia St. Paul, North St. Paul High School alum, he went in the 14th round to the Oakland A's. Well, there were other teams that showed a ton of interest in Gus. He threw for Cub Scouts at Wrigley Field last week. The Cubs were clearly interested. The White Sox were clearly interested. The Phillies were interested. The Twins reached out between rounds 10 and 11 to gauge interest in Gus. So there were a lot of teams showing interest in Varland. So congratulations to Gus Varland of Concordia, St. Paul, and North St. Paul High School. All right, we'll transition away from the baseball draft. We can get into some Twins notes, some Wolves notes, and we can call it a Scoop Podcast. This is episode 151 being recorded on Wednesday late afternoon, the 6th of June. Actually, I'm a liar as I look at my notes. I scribbled a bunch of notes. I forgot a note about Seth Halverson from Heritage Christian Academy in Maple Grove. He was the best local high school draft prospect. There were teams that reached out. I know the Cubs, the Giants, and the Padres all reached out, at least to his advisor, to see what the price would be. The price was too high. I don't have the exact number. I know the Twins were never going to pay the number. There was some speculation. Would the Twins maybe target him in the fourth round and meet his price? No. Now, the Twins ultimately took him in the 30th round, but he won't sign. He will go to the University of Missouri, where he will be both an infielder and a pitcher, and he is a name to watch in three years come draft time. But teams did reach out. Teams were certainly interested in seeing if they could get him, and if they could have, I mean, that's the way the baseball draft works. If you can meet his price, they would have, one of those teams would have taken him in the top few rounds, but because the price was too high, the Twins did him a favor. It's one of those deals, hey, remember when we took you in the you know 30th round, 35th round, you know, it's just it's one of those deals that years down the road could pay off. Maybe a guy remembers that, hey, you did me that favor. But make no mistake, Halverson is not signing with the Twins. On the Twins, I have an injury update on Byron Buxton, but let me start with Twins manager Paul Molitor on Wednesday with updates on Buxton in this order. Buxton, Joe Maurer, and Logan Morrison. Then I'll follow up with an update on Buxton and some intel I also have on Logan Morrison. Here is Twins manager Paul Molitor. You guys uh, reevaluated Buxton the last yeah. couple days? Yesterday, um, I think Doc Steves and, the, you know, there's there's not a lot of news to report there other than the, uh, the pain reduction has been slow. So um, probably won't... S- do anything at least for we're going to add on some days there probably another three days or so before we start considering baseball activity and Joe, uh, yesterday came <laughs> Joe's doing well uh, I know it's uh, uh, been a redundant issue for a while it's just kind of the nature of what he's dealing with he's going to uh, run through our workout with us today pregame which will include you know his defensive work and hitting in a group um, I, I, I just 
very cautious about getting too far out and trying to lay out any kind of plans. We obviously have some uh, things that we are looking at uh, and hoping to get him back here, but it's literally one of those things we'll have to see again how today goes, and if it does, maybe another conversation will take place about when that might happen. I think that's possible. Uh, of all the things that he has tried to introduce himself to in terms of stimulus and environment, um, playing a nine-inning game will be different than anything he's done up to this point. So I, I think it would be make a lot of sense to have that as an option to, to make sure that we don't go backwards in some form. Uh, if Lomo has another day like today, yeah. is that... Uh, uh, yesterday, you know, we just couldn't get him in a position to uh, physically be able to contribute. Um, you know, I know he, he tried, and, and today's better. Um, don't think playing nine innings is the best thing for him today. I think he might be available in a capa- some capacity uh, with the idea of hopefully being back in a starting lineup tomorrow. Adding my informed commentary, I would be surprised if Morrison is not back in the lineup on Thursday afternoon, the series finale against Chicago before the Angels come to town on Friday. On Buxton, he had another MRI. The MRI showed what was there before, that there's a crack in the toe, and it is incredibly painful. He was playing through a ton of pain before. He could not use his lower body. So there is no timetable because it now needs to heal. He was playing through all that pain. He has to let the crack heal properly. So there is no timetable on Buxton's return. This, we know, he won't be back anytime super soon. Shameless plug on Twitter, DWolfson KSTP. I also ask that you please watch Channel 5 since I'm actually on a bunch now, maybe more than ever with Joe Schmidt sidelined. After back surgery, although Joe is doing great, there's a scoop. Joe is doing tremendous and hopefully back in the office before the month is over. But because Joe is out, you end up with three people that are on air. When one person is down, that means the other two just get that much more airtime. So please watch Channel 5, but definitely follow me on Twitter, KSTP. I had the scoops the last handful of days about Zach Littell making his Major League debut. That took place on Tuesday night. That did not go so well, but he's only 22. He's younger than Steven Gonsalves. And yes, for those begging for Gonsalves to get his chance, that time will come. Patience. Steven Gonsalves will pitch in the major leagues for the Twins. You can mark my words on that. But they do like Littell. That was a guy they targeted in the Jaime Garcia trade last year. They wanted to see what he could do. He's on the 40-man roster, but his Major League debut did not go so well. But let's not punt on Zach Littell. He is still plenty young, so there still might be a chance there. Do not formulate strong opinions based on one start where I'm sure he was incredibly nervous to make his Major League debut. Then I also had the scoopage a few days ago on Twitter about the Twins signing free agent catcher Cameron Rupp, the former Ranger, the former Philadelphia Philly. I said he would start at AAA Rochester. He has an opt-out clause date of July 15th. Now the belief is he will be up here before July 15th. Unless he falls flat on his face at AAA Rochester, you can bet on Rupp being up with the Twins before July 15th. Presumably, he would take the roster spot of Bobby Wilson. Mitch Garver isn't going anywhere. So the Twins can move forward with Garver and Rupp come early July, maybe July 10th. Maybe it's closer to July 15th. Maybe it's the end of June. Maybe it's the middle of June. But I can bet that Rupp 
will be up with the Twins. But, hey, they still might talk trade. Depending on where they're at in the standings, come mid to late July, they could still acquire another catcher. But I do see Cameron Rupp up with the Twins at some point. One other Twins note, I'm just reminded by the brilliance of Eddie Rosario, that the Twins did make him a contract extension offer in the winter. Now, I'm told it was very easy for him and his agent to say no. It was an incredibly team-friendly deal with multiple team options, but smart of Rosario and his agent to bet on his long-term stability. He will make a lot of money moving forward, especially if he can somehow duplicate what he's doing right now. He's playing at an absurd level. This might not be sustainable long-term. He's a good player. Maybe he's not a great player, but Eddie Rosario will make himself a lot of money. So it was a smart decision by him and his agent to turn down the Twins' team-friendly offer. His agent understands it's a business. There's no hard feelings. Credit to the Twins for at least trying. The worst anybody can say is no. So the Twins made the effort, but I'm told it was a very easy decision for Rosario and his agent to say no. I'll just wrap up with a bunch of notes, including on the Wolves. They had a draft workout on Monday. It was Dante DiVincenzo of Villanova, Bruce Brown of Miami, Jeff Carroll of Oklahoma State, Josh Okoji of Georgia Tech. My mistake. I put it out there that Okoji was due in in May, that he might have even been here in May. This was his first workout here. I mixed up my dates in a text message. Raleigh Hawkins of Arizona and DJ Hogg of Texas A&M. A reminder, the Wolves, for whatever reason, keep their draft workouts secret. Many teams announce them publicly. It's free publicity. Why not? The Wolves are one of the few organizations that choose to not announce their draft workouts to each their own, but it just doesn't make much sense to me. The Wolves will be in Chicago on Friday for Priority Sports Pro Day. Herter from Maryland, Hutchison from Boise State, plus the Porter brothers from Mizzou will be working out there. So they'll get a glimpse at those guys. I know that they have some draft workouts still this week, then on Monday, and they have one on the 14th as well. Here are guys that are due in or have been in recently that are not out there. My buddy Lucas from A Wolf Among Wolves, the Great Wolves blog, has compiled a list of a lot of these names a lot of them that i've reported but here are some names that i don't think he has grayson allen of duke jacob evans of cincinnati vincent edwards of purdue jonathan stark i should have written down where he's from i don't know top of my head malik newman i know he's from kansas jalen barford arkansas deanthony melton usc gary trent jr duke Apple Valley High School alum. Well, sort of alum. I guess no. I guess technically not. Finished his junior year at Apple Valley, then went to a prep school. But former member of the Apple Valley High School team coached by my good buddy, Zach Goring. There's also a belief, but I've not confirmed these names. So, Lucas, anybody else, do not write these names down. But there is a belief that Jerome Robinson, Kyrie Thomas, and Kata Bates-Diop will also be in in the month of June to work out for the Wolves. The Wolves also remain open to trading the 20th pick. From what I can gather, nothing is even remotely close, but they have an open mind about moving the pick. But if they keep the pick, it seems like a lot of their homework thus far has been on wing types, guys that can play the two slash the three. So I think that's the position that they are targeting. That's not necessarily breaking news because in Tom Thibodeau's postseason press gathering he said hey we are targeting wings so it's not a surprise that they're looking at shooting guards slash small forwards i do not have an update on tibbs's search to replace rick brunson 
on his coaching staff. I know an agent who represents a number of potential candidates tried to reach out to some members of the Wolves. He hasn't even heard back from them, but that's not breaking news. I'm not quite sure communication is their strongest suit. More commentary. I do find it interesting that Glenn Taylor, the Wolves owner, is still denying all interview requests. I mean, he's been an open book for so many years, for so many of us. Heck, I've tried to get him on to talk. Actually, a lot of links. Why not? Heck, the links are a talker at 2-5, and five, heading into a tough game on Thursday against Washington. So who knows? They might be 2-6. and six. They've already lost to Washington. Heck, they lost to them in the preseason, then in the regular season. So that is a tough game. So they might be 2-6 and six after Thursday. Not that it's time to push the panic button when you've got superstars like Sylvia Fowles and Maya Moore, but I wanted to pick Glenn's brain on the Lynx's interesting start, and I am told he is turning down all interview requests at this time because he also knows I will fire off some Wolves questions. So why is he so reluctant to talk about his men's team. Is he embarrassed still by the whole Rick Brunson fiasco? I don't know. I don't have the answers. It's just interesting. This is my own commentary. This is not any sort of scoopage. Just my own opinion, my own commentary, that I find it very interesting that Glenn Taylor is turning down, still turning down, going back a few weeks, all interview requests. I have some Gophers basketball slash high school basketball notes, a tidbit or two about the Wild, but nothing that's overly pressing. Also, Gophers football, just want to note, the quarterback they got a commitment from on Wednesday, plus a little bit of what I gathered on the Vic Viramonte situation, the fallout there. But nothing that's overly pressing, and we're almost at the 50-minute mark on this episode. I'm in the office, in and out a bit on Thursday, but in the office a good portion of Friday and Saturday and even Sunday, again with Joe Schmidt out, just working some crazy hours for the next handful of weeks while also coaching baseball. But I am in the office a bunch over the weekend, so I think I'll attempt to record another Scoop podcast because I'll track down Sean Johnson twin scouting director he can review the draft plus i may have one other guest up my sleeve we'll see if it comes to fruition so i may have enough material for a scoop podcast episode 152 over the next few days so i can share those gophers notes in that particular podcast so i think i'll call it a podcast here scoop podcast episode 151 being taped late afternoon early evening the 6th of june wednesday the 6th of June. Be sure to support the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Skoll Marketing. SkollMarketing.com. If you're a business owner, they want to help you. They will help you make money. 651-787-SKOLL for a free 30-minute consultation. Or you can find out all sorts of information that I haven't provided in this podcast about them on their website. It is SkollMarketing.com. Always appreciate you listening.